Our second scripture reading comes to us from Daniel chapter 4. Daniel chapter 4, it's on page 1376 of your pew Bible. Daniel chapter 4. King Nebuchadnezzar, to the peoples, nations, and men of every language who live in all the world, may you prosper greatly. It is my pleasure to tell you about the miraculous signs and wonders that the Most High God has performed for me. How great are his signs, how mighty his wonders. His kingdom is an, inter as an eternal kingdom. His dominion endures from generation to generation. I, Nebuchadnezzar, was at home in my palace, contented and prosperous. I had a dream that made me afraid. As I was lying in my bed, the images and visions that passed through my mind terrified me. So I commanded that all the wise men of Babylon be brought before me to interpret the dream for me. When the magicians, enchanters, astrologers, and diviners came, I told them the dream. But they could not interpret it for me. Finally, Daniel came into my presence, and I told him the dream. He is called Belteshazzar, after the name of my God, and the spirit of the God of the holy gods is in him. I said, Belteshazzar, chief of the magicians, I know that the spirit of the holy gods is in you, and no mystery is too difficult for you. Here is my dream. Interpret it for me. These are the visions I saw while lying in my bed. I looked. And there before me stood a tree in the middle of the land. Its height was enormous. The tree grew large and strong, and its top touched the sky. It was visible to the ends of the earth. Its leaves were beautiful, its fruit abundant, and on it was food for all. Under it, the beasts of the field found shelter, and the birds of the air lived in its branches. From it, every creature was fed. In the vision I saw while lying in my bed, I looked, and there before me was a messenger, a holy one, coming down from heaven. He called in a loud voice, Cut down the tree and trim off its branches. Strip off its leaves and scatter its fruits. Let the animals flee from under it and the birds from its branches. But let the stump and its roots, bound with iron and bronze, remain in the ground, in the grass of the field. Let him be drenched with the dew of heaven, and let him live with the animals among the plants of the earth. Let his mind be changed from that of a man, and let him be given the mind of an animal, till seven times pass by for him. The decision is announced by the messengers. The holy ones declare the verdict, so that the living may know that the Most High is sovereign over the kingdoms of men, and gives them to anyone he wishes, and sets over them the lowliest of men. This is the dream that I, King Nebuchadnezzar, had. Now, Belteshazzar, tell me what it means. For none of the wise men in my kingdom can interpret it for me. But you can, because the spirit of the holy gods is in you. Then Daniel, also called Belteshazzar, was greatly perplexed for a time, and his thoughts terrified him. So the king said, Belteshazzar, do not let the dream or its meaning alarm you. Belteshazzar answered, My lord, 
if only the dream applied to your enemies and its meaning to your adversaries. The tree you saw, which grew large and strong, with its top touching the sky, visible to the whole earth, with beautiful leaves and abundant fruit, providing food for all, giving shelter to the beasts of the field, and having nesting places in its branches for the birds of the air. You, O king, are that tree. You have become great and strong. Your greatness has grown until it reaches the sky, and your dominion extends to distant parts of the earth. You, O king, saw a messenger, a holy one, coming down from heaven and saying, Cut down the tree and destroy it, but leave the stump bound with iron and bronze in the grass of the field, while its roots remain in the ground. Let him be drenched with the dew of heaven. Let him live like the wild animals until seven times pass by for him. This is the interpretation, O king, and this is the decree the Most High has issued against my lord the king. You will be driven away from from people and will live with the wild animals. You will eat grass like cattle and be drenched with the dew of heaven. Seven times will pass by for you until you acknowledge that the Most High is sovereign over the kingdoms of men and gives them to anyone he wishes. The command, to do, the command to leave the stump of the tree with its roots means that your kingdom will be restored to you when you acknowledge that, the, that heaven rules. Therefore, O king, be pleased to accept my advice. Renounce your sins by doing what is right and your wickedness by being kind to the oppressed, it may be that then your prosperity will continue. All this happened to King Nebuchadnezzar. Twelve months later, as the king was walking on the roof of the royal palace of Babylon, he said, Is not this the great Babylon I have built as a royal residence by my mighty power and for the glory of my majesty? The words were still in, still on his lips when a voice came from heaven. This is what is decreed for you, King Nebuchadnezzar. Your royal authority has been taken from you. You will be driven away from people and will live with the wild animals. You will eat grass like cattle. Seven times will pass by for you until you acknowledge that the Most High is sovereign over the kingdoms of men and gives them to anyone he wishes. Immediately, what had been said about Nebuchadnezzar was fulfilled. He was driven away from people and ate grass like cattle. His body was drenched with the dew of heaven until his hair grew like the feathers of an eagle and his nails like the claws of a bird. At the end of that time, I, Nebuchadnezzar, raised my eyes towards heaven and my sanity was restored. Then I praised the Most High. I honored and glorified him who lives forever. His dominion is an eternal dominion. His kingdom endures from generation to generation. All the peoples of the earth are regarded as nothing. He does as he pleases with the powers of heaven and the peoples of the earth. No one can hold back his hand or say to him, What have you done? At the same time that, at the same time that my sanity was restored, my honor and splendor were returned to me, For the glory of my kingdom. My advisors and nobles sought me out, and I was restored to my throne and became even greater than before. 
Now I, Nebuchadnezzar, praise and exalt and glorify the King of Heaven, because everything he does is right, and all his ways are just. And those who walk in pride, he is able to humble. These are the words of the King of Heaven. May they humble all who are proud in their hearts. In the beginning of this sacred book, we read about the greatness of our God. A God who spoke the universe into existence. Think about that for a moment. Everything that you see, everything that you touch, everything that you hear, it all came about because God spoke. The food that you taste, the air that you breathe, it all exists because God opened his mouth. Just ponder that for a moment. When Adam and Eve, when they took the fruit of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, in essence, what they were saying is that they knew better than God what was good for them. What did Satan say to Eve to tempt them? You will, sure, you will not surely die, for God knows that when you eat of it, your eyes will be opened and you will be like God, knowing good and evil. Pride is the downfall of man, that desire to be like God, the desire to be in control. It's a struggle that's common to all of us. Each and every one of us, we try to build our own kingdom. Now your kingdom may look differently than your neighbor's kingdom, but it's a kingdom nonetheless. Some, they rely on their wealth to feel like they're in control. Others, they look to their intellect and their knowledge to validate them as human beings. Maybe for someone else, they desire the security that comes from being part of a family. All these things, wealth, knowledge, family, and you can count on, there are a lot of other things that we turn into kingdoms. They're all good things taken in their proper context. But if they are raised above God and his kingdom, then they've become corrupted. Pride is the elevation of one's value above the importance that God has placed upon that person. Let me repeat that. Pride is the elevation of one's value above the importance that God has placed upon that person. When we forego our citizenship in God's kingdom and try to build a kingdom of our own, pride is at the root of the issue. King Nebuchadnezzar had built a kingdom for himself, a mighty empire. And Babylon at that time was the greatest empire the world had ever seen. Its borders ran from Egypt to Iran, from Syria to Saudi Arabia. And this empire, it, it encapsulated many lands and many races. And under, Nebuch and under Nebuchadnezzar, Babylon was at the height of its power. He had built up and strengthened the capital city as well. 
Two of the seven ancient wonders of the world resided in that capital. First, there were the famous hanging gardens that people would travel from far off just to see. Second, the city was encircled by two great walls. The outer wall spanned 11 miles, and it was a massive 12 foot in thickness. The inner wall was even wider. It was 21 feet thick. The distance between these two walls was 24 feet. Yet Nebuchadnezzar had it filled in with dirt. We're talking 57 feet of defensive depth. He had built a capital that could not be overrun. It was an insurmountable city. But beyond these two wonders, Nebuchadnezzar, he also built for himself a palace that covered 50 acres of land. And within the city stood 50 different temples to the different gods of Babylon. For Daniel and his friends, this city would have been a sight to behold for sure. A true testament to the might of this powerful ruler named Nebuchadnezzar. Yet as magnificent as this city must have been, it pales in comparison to the creation of our Lord. Our passage for today, it was a written decree by the king of Babylon. Yes, Nebuchadnezzar has written a small portion of our holy scriptures. Let that sink in for a moment. The Holy Spirit, he inspired the man who destroyed Jerusalem and the temple in order to write a portion of his word. Now, a proclamation like this, typically it was recorded on what is called a stele. It was a tall stone slab with writing on it. It would be set up in a prominent position within the city for all to see. And this one would have been copied and would have been circulated throughout the whole empire, and heralds would have proclaimed it aloud for all to hear. The way this decree is structured, it is, it is bookended with Nebuchadnezzar's praise of the Most High God. It begins by declaring the miracles and the wonders of Yahweh, telling of God's everlasting kingdom. And he ends it by pronouncing to all that this God of the Jews has an enduring dominion and unending power. Yet it's between these two bookends that we see the true power of true power of God on display. We see God's ability to humble the most powerful man on the face of the earth. You see, God had sent Nebuchadnezzar another dream. And though this king was very content in his palace and he was very prosperous, the dream terrified him. So the king sent for his magicians and his enchanters and astrologers and diviners, but none of them could interpret this dream for him. Once again, Daniel is highlighting for us the ineptitude of these Babylonian gods. Yet Nebuchadnezzar, he had seen the power of Yahweh before, and both revealing and interpreting the previous dream through the prophet Daniel, 
And the king was a first-hand witness to God's rescue of Daniel's three friends from the flames. Nebuchadnezzar was not unaware of God's power. But for whatever reason, he looked to his own gods first. But the Lord was the one who had sent this dream to him. And only Daniel, who was filled with the Holy Spirit, would be able to interpret it for the king. Let's pick up our story in verse 8. Finally, Daniel came into my presence and I told him the dream. He is called Belteshazzar after the name of my God and the spirit of the holy gods is in him. I said, Belteshazzar, chief of the magicians, I know that the spirit of the holy gods is in you and no mystery is too difficult for you. Here is my dream. Interpret it for me. These are the visions I saw while lying in my bed. I looked and there before me stood a tree in the middle of the land. Its height was enormous. The tree grew, grew large and strong and its top touched the sky. It was visible to the ends of the earth. Its leaves were beautiful, its fruit abundant, and on it was food for all. Under it, the beasts of the field found shelter, and the birds of the air lived in its branches. From it, every creature was fed. In the vision I saw while lying in my bed, I looked, and there before me was a messenger, a holy one coming down from heaven. He called in a loud voice, Cut down the tree and trim off its branches. Strip off its leaves and scatter its fruits. Let the animals flee from under it and the birds from its branches. But let the stump and its root, bound with iron and bronze, remain in the ground and the grass of the field. Let him be drenched with the dew of heaven and let him live with the animals among the plants of the earth. Let his mind be changed from that of a man and let him be given the mind of an animal till seven times pass by for him. The decision is announced by messengers. The holy ones declare the verdict so that the living may know that the Most High is sovereign over the kingdoms of men and gives them to anyone he wishes and sets over them the lowliest of men. Now in the ancient Near East, this imagery of the tree was very, very common. The, the branches reaching upward symbolize a connection with the heavens. The, the trunk symbolized a connection with the earth, and the roots a connection with the dead. And the Babylonians, they often use this symbolically to connect a tree with their king. So it may have been that these Babylonian interpreters did not want to give Nebuchadnezzar their interpretation of a mighty tree that was cut down, trimmed of its branches, stripped of its leaves, and with his fruit scattered all over the place. They may have feared what the king would do. Daniel, on the other hand, he never shied away from proclaiming the truth of God's word. Yet when he heard this dream, the text tells us that he was greatly perplexed and his thoughts terrified him. For he discovered its meaning and demonstrated compassion towards this king. He said to Nebuchadnezzar, My Lord, if only the dream applied to your enemies and its meaning to your adversaries. To fully understand such compassion, you must first realize that all, all that Nebuchadnezzar had done against Daniel's people. 
By this time, the king had destroyed Jerusalem and the temple of the Lord. In our first scripture lesson from today, we, we read about the suffering of the Jew, that the Jews experienced at, under Nebuchadnezzar's hand. Lamentations 2, verses 19 through 21. Arise, cry out in the night, as the watches of the night begin. Pour out your heart like water in the presence of the Lord. Lift up your hands to him for the lives of your children who faint from hunger at the head of every street. Look, O Lord, and consider, whom have you ever treated like this? Should women, should women eat their offspring, the children they have cared for? Should priests and prophet be killed in the sanctuary of the Lord? Young and old together in the dust of the streets, my young men and maidens have fallen by the sword. You have slain them in the day of your anger. You have slaughtered them without pity. These are the sins of Nebuchadnezzar. But the author of Lamentation also realizes that this devastation came about because it was by the hand of the Lord. You have slain them in your day of anger. You have slaughtered them without pity. Judah had turned their backs on God. And now the judgment of Yahweh had come upon them. And Daniel, he, he understood this. He knew that God had used Nebuchadnezzar to mete out justice. Yet at the same time, that doesn't excuse the sins of this king. Daniel knew the suffering of his people, yet he saw God moving in the life of this proud, proud man. Often, those whom we think are enemies are the very ones that God has poured out his love and grace upon. There are none beyond the reach of God's mercy. Daniel knew this, and now he shows concern for his king. He shows concern for this prideful man that God has decided to humble. And it's in this pity of Daniel's that he did not back away from describing the message that God had for him. Though the message wasn't pleasant, he understands that it is kinder to warn than to say nothing at all. So he gives the king this interpretation. Verse 24. This is the interpretation, O king, and this is the decree of the Most High that the Most High has issued against my lord the king. You will be driven away from people and will live with the wild animals. You will eat grass like cattle and be drenched with the dew of heaven. Seven times will pass by for you until you acknowledge that the Most High is sovereign over the kingdoms of men and gives them to anyone he wishes. The command to leave the stump of the tree with its roots means that your kingdom will be restored to you when you acknowledge that heaven rules. Just as Adam and Eve were driven away from the garden, so now Nebuchadnezzar, he is banished from society. And seven times would pass by 
for this king to learn this lesson. Now, we're unsure what the word times refers to. Maybe weeks, months, years, or some other period of time. But it is significant that the number seven is used, a number indicating completeness, finality. You know, God, he doesn't, he doesn't desire partial repentance. Rather, a complete surrender to his will. And he desires that from Nebuchadnezzar. To acknowledge that the Most High is sovereign over the kingdoms of men. And he gives them to anyone he wishes. And he sets over, over these kingdoms, even the lowliest of men. But Daniel also knows how merciful his God is. So again, he takes pity on Nebuchadnezzar and gives him this warning. This advice to repent in verse 27. Therefore, O king, be pleased to accept my advice. Renounce your sins by doing what is right, and your wickedness by being kind to the, to the oppressed. It may be that then your prosperity will continue. Again, Daniel knows of the wicked doings of this king, yet he doesn't want to see this man suffer needlessly. If the king would truly repent of his wicked ways, if he would just humble himself, God would relent and show kindness to this man. God does give the king of Babylon a full year to mull over this dream. Look at verse 29. Twelve months later, as the king was walking on the roof of the royal palace of Babylon, he said, Is not this the great Babylon I have built? as a royal residence, by my mighty power and for the glory of my majesty. It's true. Nebuchadnezzar had built a great city, a great empire. Yet for whose glory do such things belong? Does the glory belong to the king? Or does it belong to the one who gave this king the power and authority to do such things. Nebuchadnezzar tried to declare that it was for his glory and for his majesty that such a great kingdom existed. I mean, look at his words. Is not this the great Babylon I have built as a royal residence by my mighty power and for the glory of my majesty? He thought of himself as a god. His pride has taken hold. He had elevated his own value above the value that God has placed upon him. Yet before he could finish his words, the heavens opened up and the truth of the matter was revealed. The words were still on his lips when a voice came from heaven. This is what is decreed for you, King Nebuchadnezzar. Your royal authority has been taken from you. You will be driven away from people and will live with the wild animals. You will eat grass like cattle. Seven times will pass by for you until you acknowledge that the Most High is sovereign over the kingdoms of men and gives them to anyone he wishes. Immediately what had been said about Nebuchadnezzar was fulfilled. He was driven away from people and ate grass like cattle. His body was drenched with the dew of heaven, 
until his hair grew like the feathers of an eagle and his nails like the claws of a bird. God knows the hearts of all men. The words were still on his lips when heaven intervened. God's word, it comes to pass, and this proud, proud man is reduced to the lowliest of beasts. He was driven away from his palace and lived in the fields. He ate grass like cattle, and he had no shelter. There was none to groom or to care for him, and his mind was like that of a beast. You see, two, two times before, God tried to get this king's attention. And the dream of the statue that was smashed by the rock, not cut out by human hands, which Daniel interpreted for him, that wasn't enough. And God's protection of Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego in the furnace, that didn't wake him up either. God needed to discipline this man in a personal way to demonstrate his love and concern for him. Proverbs 3, verses 11 and 12 say this, My son, do not despise the Lord's discipline and do not resent his rebuke because the Lord disciplines those he loves. As a father, the son, he delights in. Mercy through humility. Grace through shame. God loved this man so much that he dragged him down to the deepest parts of the waters in order that the king would look up. At the end of that time, I, Nebuchadnezzar, raised my eyes towards heaven and my sanity was restored. Then I praised the Most High. I honored and glorified him who lives forever. Nebuchadnezzar, he had the mind of an animal. He couldn't speak out human words. Instead, he looked up to heaven, and that was his act of repentance. His acknowledgement that the Most High has the highest glory. The kingdom of Nebuchadnezzar, as great as it was, pales in comparison to the kingdom of God. His dominion is an eternal dominion. His kingdom endures from generation to generation. All the peoples of the earth are regarded as nothing. He does as he pleases with the powers of heaven and the peoples of the earth. No one can hold back his hand or say to him, what have you done? In his mercy, God restores his king to even greater prominence than before. And Nebuchadnezzar, he speaks these last words in his letter. Now I, Nebuchadnezzar, praise and exalt and glorify the king of heaven because everything he does is right and all his ways are just. And those who walk in pride, he is able to humble. God humbles the proud. Those who desire to build their own kingdom for their own glory. He brings them low and puts shame upon their heads. What is the kingdom that you are trying to build? Whose glory do you seek? One way or another, God will bring you low. 
Either it will be in this lifetime or on the day of his judgment. Adam and Eve, they, they hid themselves because of the shame that they felt. Yet shame was God's path of restoration for them. And it's God's path of restoration for you as well. Brothers, sisters, Christ is a king who had shame of the world placed upon his head. It, it dug into his skull like thorns. He was convicted as a criminal and dragged outside the city walls. He was considered stricken by God and cut off from the land of the living. He was despised and rejected by men, a man of sorrows and familiar with suffering. Like one whom men hide their faces, he was despised and we esteem him not. He was pierced for our transgressions. He was crushed for our iniquities. And though he had done no violence, he was assigned a grave with the wicked. Yet it was the Lord's will to crush him and to cause him to suffer. Dear friends, God is able to humble the proud because he humbled himself and became obedient to death, even death on a cross. God showed mercy to this proud king, and he demonstrated this mercy by humbling this man. He brought Nebuchadnezzar to his knees until all that he could do was lift his head towards heaven. The king was a changed man, and he gave all the glory to the Most High God. And it's through the humility of the cross that you and I can confess that all glory belongs to the King of kings and the Lord of lords. It is his name that is lifted high, and we are the ones who lift our eyes towards heaven. Let us pray. Father, your word has been given to us and has shown us your glory. Like Nebuchadnezzar, we are humbled by your power and by your authority. Thank you for sending your son to die for our sins. You have shown us mercy through humility. And we are humbled by your Holy Spirit who, who rids us of our pride and of our conceit. May we honor you this day, both in our deeds and in our speech. We pray this in Jesus' name.